0: Paul telling Timothy, he said, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Father, I'm thankful for the privilege of being in this place today. I'm thankful, God, for the songs that are being sung, the testimonies that are being given, the Word of God has been taught and shared the fellowship that we've had. And I'm thankful, Lord, for the witness of the Spirit that you've given to all of us that Jesus is in this place. I'm thankful for the Word of God that you've stirred my heart too. And I pray now, Father, that you would just bless this Word as only you can, Father, how I need you, touch. I pray here, God, every time I get ready to preach, not just simply because that's the thing I do, but the thing about it is I need you. I need your anointing, and I pray, God, that that you might stir this heart, loosen this tongue, refresh this mind, and help me set forth the Word of God in a way that will glorify you, honor your people and cause anybody lost and undone to want to be saved have your own way with us thank you for the church that you uh, Lord have purchased with you blood empowered by your spirit and entrusted with your word we're thankful for that today now bless us here in this hour of worship in the name of your son Jesus our savior and all of God's people said amen the first week of this year the Lord laid on my heart a message titled, Something the Church Must Be. The subtitle of it was, People of the Book. Last week, he laid another message on my heart, Something the Church Must Do, and the subtitle was, Preach the Gospel. Well, I didn't know the first week of the year that that message might spawn a little series, but but it has. So today, by the grace of God, I want to preach to you, this thought, something the church must have, and it is the subtitle, An Unshakable Determination. Now that that subtitle to this text is enough right there to let you go home on, although I'm not going to. You you wish, right? No. I mean, think about it. Now, friend, look, everybody knows the day and the hour we're living in is the last day. Say amen. Everybody realizes that it's it's in peerless times that we live. Everybody realizes that we're up against the last great apostasy that will manifest itself on planet Earth just preceding the second coming of Christ. Folks, we're up against it. And you know what it'll take for us to be able to stand and carry on in the hour that God has called us to? It will take an unshakable determination to do so. People are falling left and right. People are turning around and failing to walk with the Lord. I read statistic, and I can't remember the number right now, how many men are getting out of the ministry every year, and the percentages is remarkable. I'm going to tell you, friend, listen, I have to question a man. Josh, Greg, uh, 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 brother, uh, Lord, I forgot your name, Brian. I just see part of it. As the name wasn't coming, hey, you you know what? I I questioned men that can get out of the ministry if they were really called into it to begin with. So, you all prayed for me today. The message is going to be very specific. And as I begin this message this morning, I, I guess the best way that I can do it for me is to remind all of us as to what Paul was doing in this second letter that is addressed to a, a, a man by the name of Timothy, a pastor at the church of Ephesus. Now listen, that he was writing to, to both charge and challenge. Most believe Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. Whether or not Paul actually led him to the Lord, I have no idea. I cannot confirm that by the Word of God. But we do know that Timothy was Paul's mentor. He was his pastor, if you'll allow me to say it that way. We know, according to the Word of God, that uh, Timothy's mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois were very actively trying to ingrain within their son and grandson the faith that was in them. So Timothy, friend, was surrounded by a lot of great people. And look, Paul was strengthening that. When Paul was writing this epistle, his his place of residence was in a prison at Rome. He was waiting the acts of the executioner. And his crime was faithfully preaching the truths of the Lord that the Lord himself had revealed to him. And it was in the shadow of this truth that Paul lay before Timothy the great, the great task of holding fast of holding fast those eternal truths that Paul had instructed him in in the truths that uh, were from that point on his responsibility to commit to another generation that would follow Timothy according to 2 Timothy two two. so y'all can already feel the weight of this message can you not it's an exciting weight do you hear me You God God, how many, is, how many in here are saved say amen? Well, God thinks enough of you to entrust you with His message for this age, to this generation of people. You know what that is? That's a mind-blowing thing. I was studying and in devotion yesterday, spent a long time in prayer yesterday morning this morning, not bragging, I don't pray enough. And I was thinking, Doug, about where your brother comes from. What kind of a little piece of clay did God choose to declare His gospel? It's overwhelming. I've never been good at anything but failing. I messed up real good. I could do it as good as anybody. I've never excelled on the ball field, never excelled in the classroom. I can do a little bit of everything, but I've never done anything worthwhile. You've never seen me in the who's who. I would have never gotten voted in my senior's class. I'll tell you this, I'm the most likely one to become a preacher. But God chose me. I mean, it's amazing what God has decided to do. Listen now, to me and you in this generation, what may be the last generation of Christians on planet earth. And if that doesn't excite something in you, I don't have anything for you today. See, no doubt Timothy was heavy at the thought of the soon departure It was death, but I'll use Paul's term, the departure of this great man of God. But it was yet on this very occasion that God served the heart of the Apostle Paul to take the opportunity to charge this man, to challenge this man, and to cheer this weak man's heart, friend, to the great privilege and responsibility that's now his. But wait just a minute. Everybody here in Roxolana today, everybody looking on, everybody listening in, may I submit to you, it is now our responsibility. That ought to be enough to make somebody want to shout and take a lap. We, listen, God has called, listen, folks, everybody in here is temporary. Our soul is eternal now, so take, 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 take lightly what I'm saying. I, I mean, we know days and minutes and months and weeks and seconds and moments and all of that. We, we know things on a short-term basis, right? I mean, we live, we die, we know. But, hey, God has called us to be partakers with something that is eternal. That's just amazing. That, that to me is amazing. You know what we need to do? We must heed and accept the challenge Paul put before Timothy. And listen now. Everybody listen right now. Say amen. All right. You obligated yourself when you said amen. We must make it our responsibility personally today. Nobody is exempt in this message. If you come by me and say, "Preacher, you preaching to me?" I'll say, "I am." If you come by me and say, "Preacher, you preaching at me?" I'll say, "I am." It's for all of us. Hey, listen, I'm gonna get in your stuff a little bit. I'm gonna ask you again. Everybody in here saved, say, "Amen." There's not a one of you that just said amen that cannot step there, walk up with the Lord just a little bit. Can't go up a little bit higher. Can't go deeper in His Word. Can't get closer. Can't do more. Be more, become more. The only thing's keeping you from it is your own lazy self. Now, preacher, if you knew what happened to me, April the 23rd, 1973, get over it and get going. You've already wasted too many time too much time. Lord God, if I'd quit every time somebody hurt me, well I'd never started. My favorite my favorite criticism, and I'll move on because I've got a lot to say. When the church is having all that trouble over home, that, that split. Woman come by me and you know you know how you know how these holier than you are. Preacher, I'm praying for you. I said, Well good, she said that you'll become a good preacher. And then she said, and then she said, because you're, 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 said, but you are a model. And I thought, man, that's not bad. She cut me and didn't helped me. I went home and looked up the word model. It means a small scale, the real thing. Wasn't a compliment. You hear me? Wasn't a compliment. You see, the enemies of God and His Word are many. They're raging as angrily as ever before. And listen now. I Got bolded in uppercase letters. It's imperative that we take the charge we find here given by Paul to Timothy as seriously as Timothy took it in that day. Well, look, we're, we're on a battleground in America. We're not on a playground. You know, you know what's wrong with Americans too much? They worship their work, they play it, their worship. And there's something else, and I can't remember the third one. But that's good enough. They worship their work and play at their worship. I mean, a lot of times, not everybody, but some people without a doubt do that now. Listen to the Apostles Paul's charge again in these verses. I'm going to highlight just these three things I want us to remember. The Holy Spirit has highlighted in my heart. this: is what he said in verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words that thou hast heard of me. Look what he said in verse 14, there are two things there. He said, keep, now how do we do it? By the Holy Ghost. I'm glad today, friend, listen, that God has given us the how to. Look, he said, hold forth form of sound words. You know what that means? God, through Paul, has given to Timothy and hence to and you. A pattern of what a church should be. A pattern of what a preacher should preach. And a pattern of what God's people should do. Do you know what a pattern is? It is a plan whereby you build. You follow it. God didn't call us to change the pattern. He called us to proclaim it. You see, we're living, listen. Listen. Man, I like it when I read people that confirm what I preach to you all in the pulpit. I was reading a man this week, and he was talking about how we have seen the church radically change in our generation. I preached from this pulpit, and on my radio program, friend, that you and I have been watching personally the transformation of the church. And this man said the church today is being changed as radically as it was in the days of the Reformation. That's amazing. This prosperity gospel preaching. this seeker-sensitive church ideology. All of this stuff that minimizes the Word of God, that, that says that's too old-fashioned, that's Alice style. Hey, friend, when I preached maybe the first message here at Roxland in this new building, I preached what we've been preaching down beside the road. I said, we're not changing in our method, our message, our means, and our music, and it's still the same today. What do you need to change when you've got the best now we're not perfect, but we do the best we can. I've got to move on. Listen, friend, listen. Let me get a drink. I'm about to croak. If we aren't careful. Philip, I like what you said as we look at the world around us. We'll start listening to the words of the words being whispered or shouted by the enemy. And if we aren't careful, we find ourselves wondering whether or not we're able to carry out this charge or even if it's worth it. Well, hey, everybody, set up straight. Strengthen yourself. Bless. God rest assured, without a doubt, it's worth all the effort that we can steal within it. I would have had more help with that than, than I got. I'm telling you folks, look, maybe, maybe y'all don't know the battle we're up against. Maybe you think I'm trying to be dramatic. Well, on one part, you are. I want you to get it. I want you to see it. We're sheltered here at Roxalanta. Y'all do know that, don't you? We're not the best church in the valley, but we're pretty good. God's here. The Word of God is preached. We love the Lord. We're old-fashioned. We're biblical. We're Christ-centered, but it's not like that everywhere. And guess what? People don't like us because we're not what they are. Now we want other people, friend, bless God, to get the right now look. There's no doubt that it's worth the effort. Having an unshakable determination. You see, you you know how we strengthen our faith to do that? We look like uh, Paul said in the book of Hebrews 12 and 1. We look at the author and the finisher of our faith. We listen to the Spirit of God that is resident within us, guiding us into all truth. You see, in doing those two things, we find all we need to develop that unshakable faith that we need to carry this fight complete all the way to the end. Turn a page with me. Let me read to you as you read with me the testimony of Paul. And, and, and I challenge any of y'all to say that's not what I want to do. There's not a soul in here that's got a right mind would say, I don't want to do that. Listen to what Paul said when he, he, he was winding this thing down. Listen to what he said in, in verse uh, 6 and 7 For I'm now ready to be offered, the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me and not to me, only but to all those that love His appearing. Now tell me, you don't want that for your life. Well, you know what you got to do to get it? you got to do what Paul did, what he encouraged Timothy to do, and what in your heart's a heart you want to do. We've got to have an unshakable determination to take it all the way. See, y'all believe me, but you're still not in it yet. I, I, I make a statement like that, and y'all say, Amen. That'll be somebody saying, "Hey, Amen! I mean, I, I I'm not past day man in myself. Hey, folks, look—it's serious. It's dead serious. Some of you may be wondering why I'm saying the things I am. Simply stated, it's because listen, listen to this statement God gave to me. Because we're battling for the very soul of the church, and that's true. That startled me when I was writing that. When the Lord put that on, I thought, Lord, man, that's serious. And he said, yeah, you know, I'm not talking about it. I didn't hear the Lord's voice. You know I'm talking about it. But I heard him through the Spirit of God. Listen, listen. Look at the church. Purchased with his blood. Empowered by his Spirit. Entrusted with his Word. What other entity has been called to that? What other group of people know the one true God like we know What other people have been called out of the world unto God? Not the one, friend, but the local the local New Testament church. You say, preacher, what put you in this frame of preaching this morning? Well, two things. Just knowing what's going on. But I recently read uh, the results of a couple of polls. And I want you to get ready. Listen to this. To illustrate the truth. Let me, let me tell you why these things disturb me. Why I'm disturbed. Because I've seen some disturbing statistics. The information, first of all, that I'm going to give you this morning comes from the Gallup poll survey of Americans, now listen to this next phrase, who say that they believe the Bible. The survey centered around whether or not the participants actually believe whether or not the Bible is the literal word of God. And the results testify to the spiritual low state of our nation. And sadly, friend, the survey revealed that certain things are at an all time low. Here they are. Are you ready? The survey conducted in May 2022 20, found that only 20% of Americans believe the Bible is God's authoritative word. Can I tell y'all something? If the last generations in the last century had left the King James Bible alone, this, certain, this, this percentage, this Question would be different. But let me make a clear statement. If there's any doubt to what I believe, this is the unadulterated, pure, clear, inspired, preserved Word of God. I don't need an NIV, a not inspired version. I don't need an ASV, an ESV, a TUV, or a BBB. I don't need a Queen James. I've got the King James Bible. Hey, we're in a mess. Folks, listen. When you begin to doubt this book, that's where you start down a road of no return. Number two, only 49% believe it's inspired and that it's not to be taken literally. Are y'all ready? All Scripture is inspired. You see, if you don't have a King James Bible, yours may not say that. Yours may say, all oh, that is inspired. Well, here at Roxalanta, your pastor believes from Genesis one Revelation twenty-two, twenty-one 21 that it's all inspired. Ever jot and tittle. Somebody said, well, what about those books of the Apocrypha? They're called the Apocrypha, friend, for a reason. They went through the testing that all these 66 books that have been included in our canon of Scripture and none of them weathered the test. And if you've got any... I could go on and on about this. I'm just going to give you one because I want to get done before 1230. That sets, no, I'm just kidding. I'm really, really hurrying to get done way before that. But Look, let me give you something. I give you a lot of things. In May 1947, no accident, no coincidence. The year before the state of Israel rose, threw up the flag and once again, after 1900 years plus, declared itself a sovereign state of Israel again. Y'all do remember that great May 14, 1948. Y'all know what they found down at, down at the place called Qumran? In a cave uh, an Arab shepherd boy was looking for his sheep. He threw a rock in a cave. He heard a jar break, and you know what he did? He went in there and made one of the greatest archaeological discoveries that, that, that was made, not just in that century, not just at the, but in all time. And you know what they found? They found a copy. Now listen to this. Get ready. They found a copy of the book of Isaiah, and with the exception of three things, nothing doctrinal, nothing historical, nothing geographical, nothing of any major uh, point, just simply syntax and script. There were only three discrepancies between that and the book of Isaiah in the, uh, in the authorized King James Bible. Now listen, that may not convince you either, but that's way more than enough. For, I didn't even need that to believe this was right. But how many books does the word of God have? How many in the old? How many in the new? How many chapters does the book of Isaiah have? Does it have a natural division within its in its chapters? At what chapters? Chapter 39 and then 40. 39 the first 39 deals with the history of Israel, just like the Old Testament. Uh, the 27 that's to come after that deals with the prophet and the coming of Jesus Christ. Hey, you know what? The book of Isaiah is known in theological circles. It's known as the mini Bible. Hey, folks, this is the Word of God. Number three, only 29% believe the Bible is not... Only 29% believe the Bible is nothing more than a book of ancient fables. God help us. God help us. Other parts of the survey testifies to disturbing negative attitudes towards things. All right now, pull your britches up, like the Bible. But then again, there's, y'all not gonna like this, some of you, church attendance. We do business Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. And don't tell me you can't clear your calendar to do five days straight in a revival. Problem is, not you can't, you don't want to. Because you're not spiritually minded enough to do that. Now see, I'm not here to make you mad, but let me tell you, I'm here to reprove you and rebuke you. And if it makes you mad, that's your problem between you and the Lord. I'm just doing my, my part. Not, not only church attendance. You know what else? It goes on to deal with. Goes on to deal with believing both God and the Father and His Son. I asked Josh if he's if he's seeing a tra- He looked some things on the internet. He wishes he hadn't after he saw them. And I do too. Try to keep current. Y'all know I'm seeing something that bothers me. Look, all of us in here that are saved are sons of God. Now there has been a lie purported by the devil long ago that says we're all children of God. That's a lie I birthed out of hell. But when we get saved, we do become the sons of God. And you know what some people are saying? Now that we have become the sons of God, now listen to this I'm going to move on. They say that Jesus is no longer the only begotten. God, help us, folks. You're you talking about blasphemous. You're talking about heretical. You're talking about exposed declared and happily embraced ignorance. Can't get any more ignorant than that. Let me go on. Now there's another poll done by a man to the name a group, George Barner Group. 25,000 teenagers from the ages of 13 to 17 from around the world said this. And these things are disturbing. Just 61% of them believe Jesus was actually crucified. 50%, only 50% believed that he was resurrected. And 44%, just 44% believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. Let me tell the world, those people listening on, maybe some of these took the poll. If Jesus isn't God manifest in the flesh, we have no hope of heaven. We're all bound for hell and lost for a Christless eternity. I don't know about you, but those numbers and thoughts are disturbing. The letter that I received that information in, I have read a dozen times. And every time I read it, God spoke to me and God said, you've got to let them know what's going on. So you know what this church needs? You know what this church needs to have? An unshakable determination. In This hour, this moment. We must read and study the Word of God as never before. We must not only read and study the Word of God but we must live it out in our lives and tell it wherever we can. It's obvious to me that far too many churches or those who call themselves such have turned away from studying, preaching and teaching the form of sound doctrine that Paul told Timothy that he was to hold fast. Y'all know that they're they're teaching preachers today to tone the message down? to not be offensive, to always stay positive. Can I tell you what? There's no gospel if all you preach is the love of God. Because if I read John 3.16 right, John 3.17 follows it because the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. You've got to have a God that is balanced and as sure as God is a God of love, He is a God of wrath and people, whether they want to know it or not, whether it makes him uncomfortable or not. and to get uncomfortable with hear about the wrath of God. It needs to be told. You see, far too many in this age have what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 5, a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof. We got thousands upon thousands of people entering the church today, is all they want is their ears tickled. All they want is some preacher to say, listen, you're better than what you think you are. I don't need to convince you you're a sinner. Well, let me tell you something. If anybody's in here lost and undone, you need convinced you're lost. The Bible said every man's rights in, in his own eyes. And the Bible tells us that the work of the Holy Spirit is to come into this world to convict men of their sins and convince them of their need of Jesus Christ. And you know what the only message is? I know that to do that, a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Far too many no longer believe uh, that the Word of God is the unadulterated, eternal, inspired, preserved Word of God. Far too many fail to believe it is the only reliable and relevant source of truth for this age and all ages. Y'all know what they, y'all know what they say about the King James? This is how they refer the are you ready? The old King James. Like it's tired. This book's got more power in it, bless God, than the sun, S-O-S-U-N, does. Hey, this book is so alive. I've used this before, but it's one of my favorite illustrations. You you, you ever ever take your Bible home on Sunday? Now, some of you do. You know what I'm going to tell you is true. You all take you home... I home Friday night and you throw it down and, and, and then Wednesday or next Sunday you try to find it and you don't know where it's at and it's the only time you pick it up through the week is when you laid it down and you say, so I know I put it right there. And you go through your house and you find it somewhere else and you say, I, I didn't lay it there. Well, you know what I think? I think this book's got so much power in it. When you lay down and go to sleep at night it gets up and walks century in your home. You say, well, you're silly preacher. I may be, but you can't prove it, doesn't What I'm saying is, and I'm just trying to illustrate it in sort of a simple, silly way. I believe this book's got enough power in it to do all that mankind needs done for their eternity. You see, there's far too much biblical illiteracy in this great day of knowledge. And if one of your goals for 2023 is to not memorize more scripture this year than last year, pick it up, write it down, make it yours, and ask God to help you to do it. You say, How do you do it, preacher? Real simple. You read it and reread it, you write it and rewrite it, and you quote it and read it and reread it, write it and rewrite it. Exactly you won't get it right the first two or three times, most people, but if you keep at it. God will let it stick to your heart. You see, I'm afraid too many professed believers are more concerned with having some kind of spiritual experience and they are developing the ability to rightly divide the Word of God, like Paul told Timothy to do in 2 Timothy 2.15. Far too many in this day continue to fail to know the difference between the Israel, the nation of Israel, the Old Testament, and the church of the new. They are not the same. Listen, folks, and I'm heading to the finish line. Not yet, Judy, just stay or yet. We must possess an unshakable determination to defend and declare the Word of God as powerfully, as faithfully as possible for God's people to do we need it in this day how many of y'all, let, let, let's just face it don't answer, don't say anything out loud but how many of y'all have been a little more intimidated since all of this wokeism begun, since all these riots and all this, all of this um, uh, what do they do they, they censor people, what do they call it cancel since all this cancel culture well, I, you know I got news for them, I canceled them out a long time ago so if they come by and cancel me no big thing, now look, look I, I want to be a little more serious now. Although I was serious in that statement, this means some people's difference between their livelihood and not. This means some people whether they'll continue to be on the salary, uh, you know, side of getting a check or not. I understand it's serious, but let me tell you something, friend. God has called us to stand. Remember, I told you Paul was writing this epistle from prison. Imagine if we get real quiet, we could hear the chains rattle as his pen moved across the parchment. You know what we need to do? We need to make sure, and we try to here at Roxalana. We ought to make sure we do our best to proclaim all the counsel of God like Paul told the church of Ephesus he did where Timothy was pastor in Acts 20, 27. For I'm not shunned to declare to you all the counsel of God. Listen, we're still young in this new year, 2023. We're at the end of the third week, the beginning of the fourth week, and the many things that we could and should task ourselves this year. None is more important than what Paul told or Peter told his readers to do in his second epistle, the 18th verse of that book, but to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Judy knows it. Go ahead. Judy knows it, Don's downstairs, Jerry knows it, and probably a lot of these old people know. I'm talking about us that were cut our teeth spiritually on the old red hymn books, that old stamp Baxter hymn book. There, there, there's a song in there titled Deeper Deeper. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember it? Deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus. Let me deeper go. Higher, higher. In the and you know it goes on, but the course says this. Deeper yet, I pray, and higher every day, and wiser, blessed Lord, in Thy precious holy word. It was written by a man by the name of Charles Price Jones. That's what we wanted, determined to do in this year. Let him call us old-fashioned because our methods and message. Somebody showed me a picture. Was it you, terror of a dinosaur, the other day? I told her, I said, Well, y'all got a dinosaur preacher. When I invite people to come to church, I try to take the shock value off of them. I should have come and introduced myself to y'all and say, Look, hang on. You got a madman preaching today. He still spits and sweats. And I'm not going to apologize for being who and what I am. I've got a message. Of the king. He's called me his herald, H E A R L D, and I'm to go into the marketplace and cry it aloud. I make no apologies. Make no apologies. Call us old fashioned. Let them think that we're out of touch. Let them say what they will, but let us, friend, be possessed with an unshakable determination to guard what we have been given to hold fast that form of sound words which have been entrusted to us let none of us be guilty of changing it or of trying to make it more palatable to the taste of a sinner man let us powerfully preach it loudly proclaim it in order to be in order for all of us like Paul said to Timothy in chapter 3 verse 17 perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. To bring this message to a close, thank you, Miss Judy. I do so quoting from a great author, great commentary in the Word of God by the name of John Phillips. If I could find something better to beat what he wrote, I'd have got it, but I, but I haven't, so I'm quoting him. And I quote, God had given the deposit of spiritual truth to Paul, according to 1 Timothy 1 and 11. And he, meaning Paul, had given it to Timothy, according to 1 Timothy 6.20. And now, it was now Timothy's solemn responsibility to hold fast. There's our text verse in verse 13. And to keep, verse 14, which means to guard precious deposit of Christian truth that had been passed uh, that and to pass it along to others according to 2 Timothy 2:2. There he said, commit thou to faithful men that shall do likewise Poor quotation. So it's my prayer today my prayer today that you and I here at Roxalanta, you looking on, you listening in, that we, friend, that we take this charge Paul gave to Timothy and decide that we're going to hold fast, that we're going to keep, and we're going to do it by the power of the Holy Ghost that dwells within us. You know what this church must be in these last days? We must be people of the book. We must preach the gospel. We must have an Shakeable determination. Every head bowed, no